There is, um, every now and again, you do something which is incredibly embarrassing uh, without realizing it. Uh, and when I, or the organizer and funder of our Shear phoned me up, he said, Would you, are you available Thursday night? And he just said, yes. I knew he was going to ask next, give me a title, and I immediately sent one off. And somebody just pointed out to me they were specific whether or not to come to the Shear after they noticed the title. And then I get very embarrassed. I don't know if you saw the title. The title is How to Talk to Fools. I did not mean you. I'm so embarrassed. I mean, it's really embarrassing. I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about something really a little bit different. Uh, a mole, you come across, um, well, a fool. How do you deal with fools? So there's a famous Gomorrah. This Gomorrah is so well known that if I just tell you where it is, you'll probably know it off by heart. I think, bearing in mind we're talking about fools and how to deal with them, the, the Gomorrah presents an enormous problem. So this is the Gomorrah. This is the Gomorrah in Lamed, Omid Beis, and Shabbos. It leads on to Lamed Aleph, Omid Aleph. And it's a famous story about Hillel when he was in the shower or the bath, whatever it was, Arab Shabbos in those days. So it says like this. You should always, it starts off, there's a whole two stories here. You should always be an on of Hillel and not a captain like Shammai. So there's these two fellows. Incidentally, I've got almost no voice left as well, so it's going to be a very interesting share. Insult your, your audience and no voice. It's going to be good. So each one of them had, a, they had a, like a shtick going. Anybody who can go and provoke Hilo, it's a bet. Who can, who can do this? 400 zoos, which is a considerable amount of money. If anybody can make Hilo lose his temper. So one fellow says, I'm the man. I can do this. So, what happened was, he waited, Hayoim Ereshabas, Hayoim Ereshabas, but Hillel Hofechus Roshi, and Hillel was shampooing his hair, from which I conclude he was not a Chosid. But anyway, he was shampooing his hair, and what happened was, uh, this fellow comes, Holach over Al Pesach Besoy, so this fellow comes and he goes to the entrance to the, of his house. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I was once doing a Shabbaton in Dublin in Ireland. And I was staying with one of my Talmudian's parents. And they had, like, it was in the bedroom, like a walk-in um, shower. It wasn't really a built shower. It was like a, I think, thing, it was like a box, which was just, I don't, and it was an electric shower. Right, so was, have you seen those sort of things? Are you with me? No, it's a crude European thing. We're very, very backward, right? You walk in, and there are two pipes, and the, it switches on, and it's a little box, and it heats the water as it's going in, yeah. right? That's that thing. So if you get electric, sir, you can, you can, yeah. Now, and of course, in where I come from, electricity is 220 volts. So you can electric shock, it's yes, gadav, yes, uh, Anyway, so I'm there, and there was Arab Shabbos, and I was shampooing my hair, mamish like this, and the machine fused. And that means that all the water stops. And I was, I was <laughs> what do you do? And you're in somebody else's house, and for Stetsuch, you're not wearing anything. So you can't exactly shout for them to come and help you. Like, I can't remember how I got out of this. But it's not a very comfortable situation. Wait till heel is all, um, uh, I don't know what the Yiddish phrase would be, foamed up or whatever, you get the idea. And he shouts, Mikan Hillel, Mikan Hillel. 
Um, and then he'll on the satav, so he puts himself into his, his robe or whatever. But Yotzel crossing comes out to find this fellow who shows him Mikan Rubenstein, Mikan Rubenstein, or Hilo, whatever it is. I'm like, but my son, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Now that's why it's Hill and not Rubenstein. Right? I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be feeling very happy when I'm, ni- you know, I remember this from Dublin, my eyes are nipping from the, from the soap, and there's a guy standing there, he's got a Shiloh. I mean, what, I mean, do me a favor, send me an email. Anyway, I'll follow Pekin. I've got a question to ask you. My son, ask me, no problem at all. So what's the question? Why do Babylonians have round heads? <laughs> right, see, your eyes are nipping. You've rushed downstairs. You're wearing your robe. And I've got a, a big Shiloh to ask you, what is it? Why do they have round heads? <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm Scottish. I think I'd strangle them to death at this point. But anyway. What a gavaldic question. Okay. Which normally is translated as their midwives are not experts, so when they're born, uh, I'm not quite sure what that means, but anyway, uh, that results in having round heads. Hall of a Hinton Shaw Achas. So he waits till Hilo's back in the shower, back in the. It says Shaw Achas, it doesn't mean Shaw Achas, unfortunately. He just waits till he's, you know, um, got the, the, the soap back in his eyes. And Chaz of Amamikan Hilo, Mikan Hilo. Is there a Hilo here? And it's Atif, so he puts on his, his robe, but Yod's in the cross, and he goes out to meet this lunatic. Um, and Amalai Bini, Ma Atim of How can I help you, my son? Amalai Shaila Yeshli I've got a question to ask you. Amalai Shal Bini Shal. Ask, ask. <laughs> just trying to picture if it was me at this stage, you know, just trying to think which part of, you know, which I'd punch first. Why are, I'm not exactly what, sure what they, how we define these people, but why do they have uh, slit eyes, slit narrow eyes, narrow eyes? Ooh, that's a deep question. Because they, they live in sandy places, and the sand gets in their eyes, so they scritch up their eyes, and it must evolve that way. Okay. Uh, fine. Good. So far, so good. Holach the Hamtin Shaw Achas, he waits till he's back in the shower, on the bath. And of course, you know what happens. The exact same spiel all over again. asked me the question. Why have Africans got big feet? Ooh, that's a great question. Because they live in swampy places. And then he says to him, his lapmies, he sees his 400 zoos slipping away here. He's not managed to do it. He should have come to Rubenstein. I would have got him after the first one. But anyway... He would have become very rich if it was me. Anyway, soft call, soft. He says, I've got many more, many more questions. I mean, I would be thinking, this guy's a complete and total moron. What's the next question? You know, why, why is chocolate brown? And, you know, is, is, why is the sky white? I mean, this guy's an idiot. Harbi um, and Ishlo, and they but I'm afraid, and he's Shema I'm afraid that maybe I would provoke. Not at all. Ask away. And then this guy loses his temper. Are you the hill? 
that they talk about the Hill, the great rabbi of the generation, and notice that he called him Hill, not Rab Hill or Reb Hill. Yes, oh, I just want you to know there should not be rabbis like you anymore, like you in, in Cloudsville. Why? So he tells them, you just lost me 400 zoos. You should lose that 400 zoos and 400 zoos and 400 zoos more, but not ever make me lose my temper. That's the story. Now, there's a gazillion questions to ask here, and I'm sure they all popped into your mind. Um, but for Stetzach, as they say, the obvious question is, why did he say Shaila Gedoyla? Why did he say Shaila Gedoyla? That's a great question. I, can't remember, I think it was the Briskarov. There was a lady who came to the Briskarov once with a Shaila with a chicken. And so the, it was a broken chicken wing. And the chicken wing, because it's broken, there's a shaila whether or not it's a trafe or not. But as you probably know, that a chicken's wing is very much like a human's arm. It's in three sections. Now, those of you who've learned trafes will know this, right? So that, that bone there, this bone there, and the one that's next to the breast. The shaila is that if the wing is broken and that bone becomes like a spear, then it could have pierced the breast and pierced the, and pierced the lung, and therefore there would be a shaila. Uh, however, this was just a little bit broken there. Um, and it was probably broken by the plucking machine anyway. That's normally what happens. So the Biskorov looks at this. Hmm, all these Talmudim are there. And they're sort of going, look, Shaila. He takes it, turns it upside down, looks inside. I'm in a room in a room. Spent ages looking at it, ages looking at it. Eventually, he says to the lady, it's kosher, you can eat it. And off she goes, very happy. So he said, this is ridiculous. It was obviously kosher. I know, but I want to make sure she comes back the next time. If you, if you embarrass her, if you say it's not a question, she won't come back, maybe next time it will be a shiner. So more when you're dealing with somebody, ask a stupid question, ask a foolish question. You have to deal with them with respect. Maybe that's why he said, Shaila Gadola, you're asking. Such a great, great question. However, there is another possible explanation. In fact, a very real explanation. And this explanation actually rings a bell with me. I mean, but before I tell you the explanation, there's an obvious problem with the fact that he says, Shaila Gadala, and he entertains this fellow. Why didn't he say that's a very good question, but it's Eric Shabbos. I've just uh, got to go back in the shower um, because I'm going to soon be Mikhail Shabbos. I, why don't you ask me after Shabbos? Or go, do you have a rabbi? Go and ask your rabbi. I mean, this is the God of Ladar. I just did a shayla today, I just got tshuva, I sent a shayla for somebody who's in a, a difficult matzah to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Shlita, and I got the answer today. Now, to take a shayla to the Gedolia door, it, you know, it's, it's something big, but about a small shayla, about, you know, do I have to wait three hours or six hours? Ask your local rabbi. What is going on with this story? So, in particular, because Shlomo Melech says a very important thing. Shlomo Melech says, in Mishli, in Kof Vov, in Posik Dalad, and Hey. Now, I know that they have, whoever designed the shear, did not have a great love of the Rabbonim giving the shear. Because late on a Thursday night, it's difficult enough to stay awake. Why they give you cholent beforehand, that I don't know. I mean, that's just making it totally impossible. I mean, I don't eat it because I'd fall asleep in my share. But anyway, I know it's late and it's Thursday night. Apple peaking. Rabbi said, if we could try and see if there's any problem with the two psukim, I'm going to read to you from the wisest man who ever lived, Shlomo Melech. Altan kasil kivlatoi. Don't answer a fool according to his foolishness. Pen gamato. Unless you seem to be as stupid as he is, might be the translation. So somebody comes and asks you a stupid question. Don't play that game. 
Well, here you're getting answers. I think you're an idiot as well. Posik Dalat. Posik, hey, Anak Sil Kablatoi. Answer a fool according to his foolishness. Ki ye ye chochem be'enov. Sorry, pen ye ye chochem be'enov. Unless he seems to be a chochem in his own eyes. Now, I know it's late. I know you've eaten chocolate. But did you see a problem with these two psukim? There's a major prize. I have a cough suite here um, for anybody who can get this. Any? Or anybody watching this at home? You wanna, um, new? Don't be shy. Let people know that I'm not talking on my own here. There's at least 400 people here. Yes? Well, the first post says, don't answer a fool according to his foolishness. And the second post says, do answer a fool according to his foolishness. Now, that seems a little bit of a contradiction to me. Yes? So the Chazal normally, the, the Forshim normally say that what that means is like this. If the guy's talking a fool and asking stupid questions, right? Uh, he wants to talk about politics and Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and all these sorts of people whom I've never heard of, incidentally. Uh, if that is the case, don't get into that. And sometimes I, I have a thing called a Facebook page because there are lots of my Talmudian keep in touch. And sometimes there is an argument on Facebook, in fact, all the time. Has anybody ever convinced anybody in a Facebook exchange that their point of view is right? Or an email exchange? Absolutely not! So why bother with this narish kite? So if you've got somebody who's a stupid guy asking stupid questions, yeah, fine, good. Gesundheit. So why does the second person say, do answer him? Well, it's very simple. If he's talking about Devorim Stam, then keep out of it. But if he's talking about Torah, oh, that's different. If he's talking about Torah, you've got to answer him to his foolishness, unless he becomes a chocham in his eyes. There's a beautiful little Vitz, little story about, I was thinking I've told you this before, there was a Gallic who came to a shtetl, a town in, the, in Eastern Europe. He was the, 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 bright, the brightest man of his seminar, he was a genius, and the, the guy were extraordinarily proud of the fact that their new Gallic was, you know, the, the, the head of the, the, the brightest person in, the, in his uh, Gallic seminary. Uh, the town was split in two. There's a river between it. The north bank was the Gosha side and the south bank was the Jewish side. A bit like Gateshead and, and, and Newcastle, if you know anything about England. And uh, so the Gallic offers a challenge to the rabbi on the other side of the river that anybody, who, uh, the rabbi should come and debate with me on the bridge that separates the two. And the first person that asks the first person to ask a question the other one can't answer will be that guy standing there with a knife and whoosh, yiskadal v'yiskadash. So the rabbi rather wisely decided not to do it. Um, however, um, he, the, the Gallic said, "Okay, any of the rabbis in the Jewish town want to come and debate with me?" Nobody did. Now the goyim are feeling mamishoskishmak. Look at that. The Jews are scared of our of our Gallic. Any Jew. Nobody. But there was in the Jewish town a poshita. A poshita little fellow um, who, you know, whatever the, the diagnosis would be today, but, you know, a simple, a simple ton. And he was called Chaim. And Chaim heard about this and he said, I'd like to debate with the Galah. So the priests are going around, they found a Jew, and this Gavaldic, that'll show the great metal of their priest. And when the Jews heard that, one of the Yidden had volunteered for this. They were heartbroken. And when they found out it was Chaim, poor Neba Chaim, oh, you face me. The whole thing turned into a Tisha B'Av. So the next day, the guy come to their side of the bridge. Priest, priest, priest. And then the Yidden come to the other side. Of the and, then, and through the crowds comes the Galach. 
Gaiva on a Shia. On the other side comes Chaim. <laughs> so when the priest sees this, he says, this is what you send against me? You may ask the first question. So Chaim says, what does the Neen lawyer dear mean? And the Gaelic says, I don't know. They dance with the Chaim, they go into the shul, they open the cupboards, they bring out the bronf, and they bring out the kicker. The dancing and Chaim, everybody thought you were so simple, such a posh. How did you know to ask such a clever question? He said, Well, when I was in kindergarten, I asked the teacher, What does Ani Loyadea mean? And he said, I don't know. And when I got to the elementary school, I asked the teachers there, What does Ani Loyadea mean? I don't know. And when I got to the yeshiva, I don't know. So I realized it was a very good question. So that's what I asked. So the, if you don't know, <laughs> then you go through life thinking it's a good question. And that time happened uh, in Gates of the Shiva. I remember in Gates of the Shiva, I believe Gurevitz, the Kasadik of Rocha. I was in his shear, and uh, one of the Bokrim asked a really, really, you know the phrase in Yiddish, a klutz kasha? So one of the Bokrim asked a klutz kasha, which demonstrated that he had not been following a word of what Leib Gurevitz had been saying for the last half an hour. And all the Bokrim burst into, into laughter. Um, if I'm really being honest, I was the Bokrim that asked the klutz kasha. And all the Bokrim started to laugh, and Reb Leib said, Lach nit! Don't laugh. And he said in Yiddish, there's a phrase in Yiddish, Ask the question and seem a fool for one moment. Don't ask the question and be a fool forever. It's very clever. Ask the question and seem a fool for one moment. Don't ask the question and be a fool forever. Look, you've got a stupid question. So like me, you ask the stupid question. Reb Leib, the Rosh realizes that you didn't understand, and he explains to you. So now you know why it's a stupid question, and you can go forward. But if you don't ask the question, you still get a stupid question. And you don't know it's a stupid question. You go through life with your stupid question. You remain stupid. So therefore, it's better to ask the question. So if it's a question which is a, talking about politics, if I was whatever in the world, eh, says something stupid, let him say something stupid. I don't care. But if he's talking about Torah, then you have to put the person right. Because then... And that's what it says here. Then you've got to answer Kivalto. You've got to go down like Leib Gurubitz to the, the level of a Yehudian Rubenstein. Oh, that's me. Unless Rubenstein goes through life thinking, oh, such a clever question. No, you've got to sort it out because it's Tauri's getting wrong. You've got to help him with that. So therefore, if that's the case, we go back to the question of the shampooed hair of, of Hillel and, and coming out the bath and all that sort of stuff. Oh, Shia, look at that. Yeah, there's narish nonsense. Look at that. Why the Babylonians have round, head, round heads? And why the Africans have big feet? And why the Chinese people, whatever it is, have, have uh, narrow eyes? Bisti sugar, a back. And the study goes into each and every single one of them. So if what we've learned in Mishli is true, if that's the pshat, the difference between the two psukim, and Hill takes this seriously, and Nishnor does, not only that, but gives the, it builds us up to be a Shia like a Daila, then what sort of question must he, thought it was? he must have thought it was? He must have thought it was a Torah question. He must have thought it was a Torah question. So when he said, why do Babylonians have round heads? That's a Torah question. Why do these Tarmadoyim, whatever they are, have narrow eyes? A terror question. And why do Africans have big feet? A terror question. How could that be? None of Marshall answers that. 
the Mashah said, in his Anivas, Hillel assumed, didn't see in the other fellow anything bad. Rav Pam, his Rebetzin, when she was Nifteris, I've been with quite a few of Rav Pam's Talmudim, they said that she never ever spoke Lashon Hora in her entire life. Not as it were, got to worry how to phrase this here, but not as it were because she was such a great Tzedekas, because she was a great Tzedekah, because she never ever saw anything bad in anybody. Because she never saw anything bad. And he, in his anevas, in his own humility, naturally assumed that this guy was asking a good question. Asking a Torah-dicker question. Something else happened once happened to me in Gateshead. When I was in Gateshead, I was just starting out. And I was, well, you've already heard my great standard in learning from the previous story. Rebleib Gurebitz, the Rosh Hashiva, there was two Rosh Hashiva. The other was Rebleib Lapian, his brother-in-law, Rebellia Lapian's um, uh, son, one of his sons. And he liked me. And he asked me to come in for, for hairs every now and again, which are incidentally some of the scariest experiences of my entire life. So I went in one night, and his brother, Reb Chaim Shmuel Lapian, Shas Meitzer, when he wrote on that, also a gone was there. He was a, 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 a Rosh Yeshiva of Sunderland Yeshiva. So I came in, and Reb Leib said to me, and I was just a complete beginner, he said to me, no, so I asked him my question. Nocha Klotzkasher. I specialize in Klotzkashers. <laughs> and Reb Chaim Shmuel, who wasn't my Rosh Shiva, a Litvisher Rosh Shiva does not take prisoners. You ask a stupid, nah, poof, right? Uh, but Reb Leib, his brother, found this to be, as it were, he had to defend the honor of one of the Talmudim of his Shiva, and he turned my question into a question. And these two Gaonim started a fight over my stupid question. And it lasted, I think, if I remember, I think for about 15 minutes. And it was like a tennis match. Back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And after 15 minutes, Rabbi Leib turned to me and he says, Verstehst? <laughs> and I went, Pew! And out the door as quick as I can. In other words, they, he could see in the stupid question something that could be valid and turn it into this. There was a Meissa once, so I won't tell you where. I was doing a Shabbaton. I was telling my dear friend Aria before this. Um, I was doing a Shabbaton once in a certain state, not New York. And uh, we arrived there early, my, my, my wife and I. And we were staying with somebody. Somebody was uh, our, to be our Balasanya. Went into the house, and obviously, where we were staying, the fellow was clearly a Bal Teshuva. And you can tell this by the pictures. You can tell. I mean, you put what's on your wall, right? If you go into the house of a standard FFB or BT for a long time, um, then the th pictures on the wall are going to be pictures of the Gedolim, the Chofetz Chaim, the Belnagon, myself. And, uh, <laughs> but they had pictures there of uh, Mozart and Beethoven and stuff. Oh, fine, lovely, good. And then, so we got, under, uh, we got dressed and off to shul. This fellow wasn't there, so I just met his wife. And uh, so Bikitzer, I was... Um, I was uh, um, saying the shir, and after 10 minutes, the Manchester Rosh Hashiva, the Chassadik Livrocha, walked in. Now, Manchester Rosh Hashiva was a great Sadik, and I was a bit surprised, but when I looked, it wasn't, but it looked very like the Manchester Rosh Hashiva. Big, long white beard, you know, frat coat, you know, big hat, sat, sat down opposite me, and I carried on the shir. I carried on the shir. And at the end of the shir, this, this big Sadik came up and said to me, um, what does in hochinami mean? 
So in the Shir, I must have used the phrase in Hokinami. Indeed. And he said to me, what does in Hokinami mean? And I thought, hmm, he's asking something very deep. In Hokinami. I mean, I know what in Hokinami is, I can translate it. He must be asking, when you said in Hokinami, you say indeed. Yeah, the Wiskerecht. Oh, but what? Was that really right? Was it really right? What's that Gemara saying? So I said, well, um, I tried to repeat what. And he said, no, but what does in Hokinami mean? And I'm looking at this fellow with a white beard and the white pears coming out. And I'm saying, what? And then after the third time, I got it. He didn't know the translation of Ein Hokinami. The fellow had become a Balchuva three years before. He was a lawyer. He was the Beethoven in the Mozart pictures. Right? So I'd quite moved on from then. Um, and uh, this fellow, lovely fellow incidentally, I'm sure by now he's probably as a Talmud Chochem, but he was a complete beginner. But after, six months after he became Froom, he decided it's time to wear the clothes of the Froom. So he drove to, so drove to Lakewood and got himself a nice big hat, started to grow his beard, lice langarekel, and he was there with somebody, I think Chumash Rashi or something, in Gates, in, sorry, Gates in, in Lakewood, and he walked into the base, a medrash gavoya of Lakewood, and all the Bokram were standing up. He looked like Malach! And I assumed it must be the something in this. Rebbe made something out of this, and he'll make something out of this. So what does he make out of this? So he thinks, according to the Marshal, that this fellow is asking a question based on in the fifth peric of Perkiovas, and various editions are slightly different. Here it is Kof Base, Mr. Kof Base. If you get what these three things, if you possess these three attributes, you're a Talmud of Avram Avinu. The three other attributes, whom is Hamid of Shabila Marashi, or Talmud of Bila Marashi. I am Taiva, the Ruch Nemucha, the Nefesh Shafola. If you've got a good eye, you see good in people. Ruch Nemucha, a humble spirit, the Nefesh Shafola, and your approach to life is eyes down, humility. Then, Talmud of Shalavram Avina, then you're Talmud of Avram. Ah, on the other hand, I am Ra. If you've got an I am Ra, and a Ruch Gavoya, and a haughty spirit, you're a Balgaiva. The Nefesh Shachova, sometimes they say that's. Uh, greedy, glutton. We'll translate it differently in a second. Uh, then you're a Talmud of Bilam Harosh. So these three, somehow enter in the Hilo's mind, he connects them to the Bavloim and to the Chinese people and to the African people. What's the connection? So the Marshal says very interestingly that the connection is a Zoi, that um, when he said that you've asked me a good question, a great question, what he meant was, with regards to the Babylonians, the Gomorrah asks the questions, why did the Babylonians lose their money? And the Gomorrah discusses, different Gomorrah, four reasons why a person, a Balabos, could be very wealthy and lose their money all overnight. And three of the reasons are subservient to the fourth reason, says the Gomorrah, because they are Baligaiva. If a person is a Balgaiva, it doesn't mean round-headed, says the Marshal, it means big-headed. Why are the Bavloim big-headed. He connected that to the Gomorrah that said, because they're big-headed Baligaiva, that's why they lost all the money. There is a whole discussion many times in the Gomorrah of the Bavloim had that character trait, that character flaw. And the, another Gomorrah says, if you've got that character flaw, you're going to lose all your money. And he says, because their, their midwives aren't expert. That means from the beginning, to get rid of Gaiva, it starts at the very beginning when you're with your children. 
You've got to make sure that you don't build them up to be big Balligaiva. Talking interesting, I've got to tell you a beautiful thing I saw in Ramatasio's parish in Time Devora, and he quotes from the stapler. And interestingly, somebody asked the stapler, why did some, and I saw this myself many times in Yeshiva, why did the boys who were the most brilliant, who were the most naturally gifted, why did they not evolve into the greatest Rabonim, which very often they didn't? You know what the stapler said? Because everybody told them they were the greatest. They built them up, made them Balagaiva. And there's nothing Hashem hates more than a Balagaiva, and therefore he withdrew the Siyat to the from them, and therefore they learned. But they didn't become the greats that they could have been because everybody told them they were great. They encouraged Gaiva. That's the first thing. And then, Ruach, that's Ruach Gavai, that's the big head in this. Ayin Ra. So Chinese people have, you know, why do they get eyes like this? Or for the Chinese, not sure exactly who they are. So he says, interesting, that that really, Ayin Ra, and he, he connects this, we don't have time to show you all, I think you can trust me, but you can see the Marshall yourself. Anyway, Ayin Ra refers says Rashi in another Gemara to Znus, they're always looking for Znus, they're looking for Znus. As we all know, the INCs and the ICs and that builds up the Taivas, etc. And why? He says because they live in a place of Chol, which we translated as sun, but it means that they live in a completely well, like today's world, where there's no proper values left anymore. And that affects them. And then the third one is uh, about the Africans of the big feet. There's a phrase in English, you know, you want to set, a father wants to set his son standing in his own two feet. It's a reference to materialism. They were interested in materialism. And why? Because they live in a swampy place, a place full of materialism, a place where people want to keep up with the Joneses. That's what he saw in the questions, and that's how he answered the questions. But why did he answer them? Because he's an on-off. He looked for the best. He connected it to the Torah. Givaldic. But there's another Gemara. And I saw this Gemara, I was learning with my Chavrusa, and we both, um, we found, again, we were learning Rabbatasio's parish in Tama Devora, and we came to a grinding halt. See what you make of this. See if this makes any sense to you whatsoever. The Gemara says that this. Um, yeah. Maisa Shabbat Rebeloza ben Shimon. Rebeloza ben Shimon once came back. Me Migdal Godar. Or a place called Migdal Godar. It's apparently a euphemism from his yeshiva he used to learn in. Me base rabbi, from his rabbi's yeshiva. He was riding in a donkey. And he's riding along a riverbank, or walking along a riverbank. And he was full of simcha. Why? Because he'd learned so much terror. Now, if you've got to go back to your rabbi, and you sit down and show us your old Rebbe, it's a geschmack she'in kamaho. When I used to go back to Gateshead, see my Rav, Rav Rakov, Zechatzad, and Ivrocha, even the Manchester, there's a wonderful place full of Tomei Chomim and Yeshivas, but I felt, you know, I was leaving something special behind. So I was full, he's full of himself, he's just gone, Rebbe. Am I talking about Rebbe Lozber, Rebbe Shimon? Hoidato Gasa, and his mind was Gasa. We'll translate that in a second. Let's see what happened. Why is he so... He's so full of himself, he's learned lots of Torah. And he bumps into a fellow, there's a fellow there who is extraordinarily ugly. And the fellow said to him, Shalom Aleichem Rebbe. And he didn't reply. Didn't reply. And when he does reply, he says, Reka. 
you empty person. And then, he obviously thought or said to himself, <coughs> ugly fellow this is. And he, and he said to him, the, maybe all the people where you live are as ugly as you? Omer uh, any idea? I don't know. Why don't you go and ask the craftsman who made me? One ugly thing you made. If you're telling him to go and ask the craftsman who made him, what are you telling him to do? Drop dead. You don't go and ask Hashem when you've dropped dead. And the Benish Kai says that's exactly what he's telling him to do. When Rebbe Loza realized that he's done something very bad, he's down from the donkey. And he, he bows down, he prostrates himself in front of him. I've, I've offended you, I've upset you, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm not going to forgive you until you go and ask that person who made me why did he make such an, a mistake, a really rubbish piece of work. He chases after him. It comes to the city. And all the people come out to greet him. Who? Rebel Lozer. Blessed are you, shalom to you, a Rebbe, 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 Nigla, Rebbe, Nister, said the Mephorshim. Mori, Mori, why Mori, Mori? Mora in Midas and Mora in Derech Eretz. Omalehem, the ugly fellow, assuming he was ugly, said, Rebbe, who are you calling Rebbe? <laughs> the guy behind you, the rabbi behind you. If that's a from Jew, unfortunately we've heard that phrase a lot. No. Sometimes a Jew behaves badly. If that's from Jew, they want nothing to do with them. Um, oh, if that's a from Jew, no rabbis like him can myself. We shouldn't have any more rabbis like him in, in Cloudestraw. Why? And he tells them the whole story. And they say, well, forgive him, because they're Talmud Chochem. So I'm not going to forgive him. Forgive him for us. I'll forgive him as long as he's not rogil bekach. I'll forgive him as long as he's not rogil bekach. As long as he doesn't get used to doing that. As long as he doesn't do it very much. What about saying as long as he doesn't do it at all? Seems strange? So Ben Ishkai in the Sefer Ben Yoda says something which I think is absolutely brilliant. He says that the fellow... In those days, in that place, the minhag was, listen to this, very interesting. The minhag was that if you see a Talmud Chochem, a Rav, you don't say Shalom Aleichem to him, you wait for him to say Shalom Aleichem to you. Different minhagim, different places. You wait for him to say Shalom Aleichem to you. I told you the first time I was invited to say Shirem in Zurich, remember? I was invited to say Shirem in Zurich. I was very excited at the invitation. I was, I'd always wanted to see Switzerland. I heard they do mountains in Switzerland. And being Scottish, I like mountains. Um, I think it was Bill Clinton, when he was your president, who, after a European tour, declared Switzerland to be a second-class Scotland. So he's got some redeeming features, Bill Clinton. Anyway, self goes self. Uh, I wanted to go. And uh, fine. And so it was, to, it was in order to do a student weekend. So I said yes straight away. And then a week later, I received a, a message from a cousin of the person who was the organizer. Could I send a, a tape um, of one of my shiurim? Now, um, it was students. 
and I sent a videotape. Do, do you remember videotapes? Do you remember back in the day, videotapes were coal-fired, you know? Um, anyway, so I sent a videotape of me talking to university students. Now, for Schneitzer, when you talk to university students, as I did a couple of weeks ago in Rutgers, it's, it, it's fun, and you do lots of humor and stuff. Good. And I like, generally like to be outrageous. Um, fine. That was that. And then I also sent a an audio cassette of a from Shear, because I just wanted to establish that I can sometimes be serious. I sent both of them off. And a week later, I received a phone call. Phone rang, and I picked up, and the voice said, Hello, could I speak to Rav Rubenstein? And I said, Yes, this is Rav Rubenstein. Um, he said, Hello, Rav Rubenstein. I said, Hello. He said, this is Mark from Zurich. I said, Hello, Mark. Hello, Rav Rubenstein. He says, It's about the video you sent. I said, yes, I liked it very much. But when you come to Zurich, no humor, please. <laughs> no humor. Und, there was an und, und. <laughs> you mustn't become friendly with the students. Did you get that? Shall I translate that into your language? Don't become friendly with the students. Und, noch an und. What chic. How much were they paying me after all? Und, um, no Yiddish. Because Yiddish to a German ear, sounds, they think it sounds a little bit like funny, you know. Okay, fine. Good. How was I going to do this? Anyway, somehow I managed to get through it, but the truth is, in that culture, a Herr Rabbina is aloof. In America, very often, the rabbis, you know, your buddy, you like the rabbi to get a friend, he goes, hey, right, hey, rabs, uh, that sort of stuff. Well, that doesn't work in Zurich. Somebody told me, Rav Shimon Schwab, of course, the Rav, not very far from here, over in Washington Heights. He talked, it was like a Malchus. When he retired, one of the people in his show told me, when he retired, and he went to live in the show, when his congregants came to visit him, then he was, the, then he was their friend. And they, they commented, when I was your Rav, that was different. I'm not your Rav anymore, so then I can be your friend. So it's different, it's horses for courses. You've got to know what the culture is like, and in that culture, you did not speak to the Rav until he spoke to you. And this guy said, Shalom Aleichem Rebbe. He wasn't saying the guy was ugly. He's saying his midas were ugly. That's why it fits with the word Reiko. Empty fellow. Don't you know how to behave? He thought to himself, what an ugly fellow. He wasn't talking about the way the guy looks. Who cares how a person looks? It's not about his behavior. And I said, maybe all the people in your city are so ugly. It means the way you behave. But the problem was the guy was ugly. Suppose somebody bumps into you. You turn around and say, you're blind? And then you see that he's wearing dark glasses and he's holding a white cane. How do you feel about yourself? Not too good. And the guy was ugly. And who was the guy? Both Rashi and Thaisa say Eliyahu Anovi. Eliyahu Anovi had set the whole thing up to show this great roar from the Gomorrah, Rebeloza, that there was something rogu bekach. He had, um, as Reb Chaim, um, Velozhin uh, says in the Sorim, um, and Rabbi Chaim Vital, quoting Rabbi Chaim Vital, Rabbi Chaim Vital says that a bad Mida is much worse than any, any Avera that you might do because the Avera comes from a bad Mida. So Elion was there to say, Don't be wrong, go get to the source of this. He was Nizgoe, a center son. Imagine me, so full of Simcha that you become big headed and you're not sensitive to the fact that, Are you blind? He is blind. Oh, yeah, behaving ugly. Ugly behavior. And the guy is ugly. That he would be upset. 
So once again, it's the exact opposite. With Hill, with Anivis, saw no bad in the person at all. Eliyahu Nobi comes here to tell somebody that the shtickle gaiva. If it's a shtickle gaiva, you'll see bad in people. So if you want to go through life, if we want to go through, if we want to go through life, in order to make sure that we don't have embarrassing situations for ourselves or embarrass somebody else, law rogu work in our meters of an evil.